Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and I am very, very happy to be here with you today. You know, we often sit and talk about what goes on in our world. We talk about some political things. We talk about some historical things. You know, when we have the neighborhood guys on, we have a lot of fun with with different things. Today, I want to talk, at least I want to start out uh, talking a little bit about uh, conceptual things. Now you gotta you gotta change it up once in a while. We can't just sit here and you know talk about politics all the time because it'll drive us absolutely crazy. We will have some political talk uh, at some point shortly, uh, shortly down the road here on the show. But for now, let me pose this question. And I don't know if this is a metaphysical, a religious uh, type of question. I don't know what it is. But here's what's come to me recently: the concept of time travel. Right? That sounds strange, right? Next, we're going to talk about UFOs. But the reality is time travel. I recently saw some articles talking about whether it's possible to actually travel through time. And if you could, would you want to do it? I think maybe what's going on in Ukraine has has really kicked this off because we start to think back to World War II. And in World War II, obviously, we had the rise of, of some unbelievably terrible people. Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Mussolini. These people were brutal, murdering dictators. And there's been countless TV shows and uh, programs about time travel and some of the, I guess, the moral conundrums that would come up if you actually could travel in time. Would you go back in time and eliminate those people before they had a chance to kill millions and millions and millions of people. Is that something that you could do? So the premise of our conversation here has to really start with an understanding, can you actually travel through time? Is it possible? On its face, it seems impossible. So there's a couple theories here. You know, if you look at uh, Albert Einstein, he believed that theoretically time travel was possible. Now, for me to sit and get into all the details of why he thought that was possible would be uh, another whole show and a technical uh, expertise that I don't have to, to go into. Here's my understanding of what he was saying. Because time and space are linked together, right? Time and space are linked together. When we have, um, we have the curvature of space-time... Now, what the hell does that mean, curvature of space-time? Basically, if you can bend space-time you could plot out points of your life. So think about your life. You were born on a particular day in time. You had your fifth birthday at a certain time. You got married at a certain time. You had grandchildren at a certain time. And then you die at a certain time. If we look at that timeline, if we were to plot that out across space-time, we could see your life from beginning to end. Now, how would you go from having grandchildren to go back in time to your fifth birthday? How would you possibly be able to do that. And this is where science fiction comes in and they, you know, they have all these different concepts. I remember on Star Trek, 
there was a, a the movie they were trying to figure out they had to go back in time and they went against the rotation of the sun at uh, the speed of light and they managed to go back in time to a specific date i mean they could be so specific specific with the date they wanted to go to now that's fiction of course but einstein if you if you read what he talked about he said if you could go at the speed of light if you could travel at almost the speed of light time would start to slow down if you traveled at the speed of light time would stop see so this is where it's beyond my pay grade uh, maybe you are a, a particle science and you can scientist and you could figure that out but what he's saying is if you could travel at the speed of light time itself would stop so there's the old experiment that probably everybody in high school heard about at one point once we started going into outer space, you know, as a, as a space nation. That if I am, me and my twin brother were standing on the earth and one of us got into a spaceship and flew at the speed of light for uh, 50 years and came back, the brother on the ground would have aged 100 years, while the brother who was traveling at the speed of light would have only traveled, would have only aged a few years. Because traveling at the speed of light slows down, if not stops, time. Right? So that's basically the concept. Now, how do you break that down? Okay, so is it possible for anything to move at the speed of light besides light? No. We haven't found anything yet that can move faster than the speed of light. Now, Einstein further postulated that if time stops at the speed of light, if you could go faster than the speed of light, you could then go backwards in time, right? And I don't understand the exact connection to that, but I kind of get it because time and space are connected. You know, that's at that concept I do get. Time and space are connected. And it, going the speed of light, you stop time. Going faster than the speed of light, you can go backwards. That's the basic theory we're going to work with in our conversation here. So the next thing we have to determine is which way is it possible to travel? Is it possible to travel forward in time or backwards in time or both? Now, Einstein postulated that you could travel forward, but you couldn't travel backwards. And this presents a, a, a question in my mind that I'm saying, conceptually, if I accept the fact that if I could go faster than the speed of light, I could travel back in time, that, that, okay, I'm accepting that concept. But how would I go forward to things that haven't happened yet? See, that's, this, is, this is the point that I'm, I'm bringing up and to all you science fiction writers out there and, and uh, those who, who like to create uh, you know, writing that does these kind of things. This is, this is a timeline that I'm trying to look at. I believe that you can go backwards in time based on these theories. You could go back to another point in time that has already happened. But going forward, how could you go forward to something that has not happened yet? See, that's the big leap for me. Of all of these things, can you imagine that? Time travel, the one problem I have with is going forward. Because if it hasn't happened yet, how could you get there? Right? Because it hasn't materially happened. People haven't lived their lives. Events have not taken place. So the, the futuristic concept of traveling forward in time to seeing this grand future, a thousand or ten thousand years in, in the future, would be great, except for the fact that that it hasn't happened yet, as opposed to me going back to my fifth birthday, which has happened. So it is, there, it is marked along that timeline of my existence, and therefore, if I could go faster than the speed of light, 
and I could travel backwards, theoretically, I could get back to my fifth birthday or my 10th birthday or uh, Christmas that I really enjoyed when I was nine, whatever it is, I could go back in time. Could I pinpoint it? Could I say I want to go back to this particular day? That, I don't know. I don't know how the theory works there. But the reason I ask this question and then I started to ponder this was obviously because this has come up. Uh, you know, we never thought we would see the day when our government would admit that there are some kind of UFOs that we don't know what they are. They're there and they're real and we have pictures of them now, but we don't, we don't know what they are. Are they, are they aliens from another time? Are they us from another time, right? If you open up that possibility that there are uh, aliens, that these craft that many, many people have seen, myself included, and I, I've told this story before. I'll tell it again in a minute because it all kind of connects here. If you can travel back in time, what would you want to go see? Right? What would you want to do? Of course, many of us would want to go back and see relatives that we lost. Right? Go back. I'd like to go back and see my dad. I'd like to go back to a time when I was 13 years old and my dad was still alive. That would be really, really satisfying and cool to go back and see my dad. What would I tell him? Would I use the fact that I know that he was going to have a massive heart attack and die the next year to tell him, you got it. This, I don't care what your doctor says now with the technology that we have today in 1976. You got to get to the doctor because you're going to die next year. Would you, would you do that? I think probably we would. Which brings the question of the war situation. Would you go back in time and would you eliminate these people? Could you do it? You're not a killer. You're not a killer now. But if you could go back in time and put yourself... Um, in the nursery where baby Hitler was laying there, would you do anything about that? Or could you not? Would your decency prevent you from harming an innocent little child who at that moment is an innocent little child, even though you know from your traveling experience through time that in time that child will grow up and kill a hundred million people? Right? So these are conundrums, right? These are nobody's gonna go back and kill a baby, nobody's really gonna do that. But they present moral questions for us about the use of technology. See, I'm trying to spin this all together here because these are this is the kind of things that Lieutenant Joe thinks about. Uh, in my five minutes of spare time I have uh, in my life, I, I think about these interesting kind of concepts and, and who we are as humans. The next thing that I'd like to throw out there, if we're saying we could time travel, uh, and my my belief is that you could travel backwards because to things that have already happened, you can't travel forward to uh, things that haven't happened unless, and here's the big unless, and this is really, this is the question that got me. Where am I right now and where are you uh, listening to me right now? Where are we on our timeline? Is this the first time we've done this or are we actually living in the past and there is a future you could go to? Right? Because if I, it, it, right? See, this, this can get really mind boggling, but it's okay to boggle your mind once in a while, to think about things outside the box, to consider things that maybe you normally wouldn't have considered. Because as we see as time goes on, there is more and more about the world that we don't know about our universe. You know, uh, hey, guess what? Uh, we all thought we saw some aliens, but we were told no, no, no. And now we're told, uh, here's pictures of these things. We don't know what they are. They're flying at ridiculous speeds. They're going underwater. They're coming up. To go There's nothing we have like this. So what could it be? 
right? And we know there's tons more information that they're not giving us. Uh, but you would think that if this was that dangerous to human existence, that our governments would be more concerned about it because it would be an imminent kind of a threat. So maybe maybe what they know is that it's not an imminent kind of threat. Maybe it's just something that's there. Uh, maybe they're drones from outer space from the future. Who knows? I mean, a lot of people have postulated how moving through time would actually work. So that's the question. I'm wondering, am I on the original timeline Am I on my original timeline? Everything I do today, the next word that comes out of my mouth is the first time I've ever said it here on Chasing Justice. Or am I actually living in the past and I just don't know it, right? So here's how that concept works. Say it's the year 2044 and we develop a way to go back in time. Now, I believe we could go backwards in time because, like I said, things that have already existed. So I come back to this day, this moment right now, and I find some way to appear here, and I see myself uh, sitting at the microphone and having this conversation with you. But while I'm sitting here having a conversation, do I realize that I'm already in the past, that this has already passed me. So the, the, the future Joe taps me on the shoulder. I'm shocked to see myself. And he can, you know, like in the classic movie scene, don't be afraid. I'm from the future. I'm here to help. Um, explains to me that, hey, listen, uh, I'm from uh, 40 years in the future. And we found a way to get back here. And I'm coming back to tell you these things about you and your family and things you need to know. It would be kind of shocking to me to think that, I'm actually living in the past. See, I, I know I'm getting kind of kind of out there, but I, and I hope you're kind of following this because this is an interesting thought for me uh, to understand something that we don't understand right now. But because you have someone like an Einstein who had a vision into things that most of us could not comprehend, he absolutely had a vision into many, many scientific things that we didn't have. For him to postulate that hey, based on what I understand, you know, what, 50 years ago in science and truths about physics and whatnot, that theoretically it is possible to time travel. Well, don't we, didn't we also used to say that we didn't understand what germs were and somebody postulated that there were these tiny little things that were in our food and in the air and in the environment and they make us sick until we could actually see it and we worked out the hypothesis and the belief that maybe there were these little microbes running around and then we proved it, right? Didn't we say, you know, we thought there's UFOs and they're keeping away from us and now we're finding out there might be UFOs. The government says we don't know what these things are, so what could they possibly be? So how far away from that can we be from traveling through time? Just because we don't understand it right now doesn't mean it is not possible. When you have a great mind like an Einstein, who can envision these kind of things and figure out the calculations of how to do things, then we got to say it's absolutely a possibility. And if that's a possibility, anything is a possibility. I think that's the bigger picture where I'm trying to go here. As humanity, we, we, think, we think forward, don't we? We think about what's ne- how can we make it better? We find problems and we engineer our way around them. We use our intellect. We use our intelligence We use the questioning process. We use the scientific method. We try different things to see if we can make something happen. And we've seen how many thousands and thousands of uh, potentials that have happened that have come to us through science. Think about 
the all scary nuclear bomb, splitting the atom to release energy. Now, in 1855, I don't think they could imagine anything like that. But come the 1940s, suddenly the concept of splitting the atom, an atom, can you, can you see an atom? Look around. Do you see an atom? They're everywhere, but we can't see them. But somebody with the brain power to consider this thought and an open mind is my point, I guess another point, open-mindedness to these things. Somebody looked at that and found a way to do it. They found a way to split the atom, release that energy. Now, it created a bomb of devastating uh, power that can destroy lives, but it also created an opportunity for us to create energy and power that we can use. Right? Energy and power we can use to power our houses, our electric. Are we in the infancy of this and it's very, very dangerous? And, you know, if that stuff gets out like Chernobyl, it could kill all of us? Yes, because it's a very, very dangerous power. But my point is, in 1900, we had no concept of nuclear power, as far as I know. You know, of course, maybe maybe in, in 1901 somebody thought about it. But you know my point. There was no realization of splitting an atom and nuclear power until the 1940s when some visionary thinker some human being concentrated their intellect, their intelligence, their questioning, their open-mindedness, looked at science and said, how could this possibly be done? And then set about finding a way to do it. And that's my point. We can't count things out. We can't count things out. You know, time travel sounds like a, uh, you know, it is a science fiction kind of a thing. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool to time travel? You know, you step into a thing and you get, uh, you know, you get zapped back in time. It's been one of those thoughts in human existence that we've written books about it, people talk about it. The fact that Einstein even uh, pontificated on it is because it's there. It's, it's something that yearns in our soul, I think, to be able to manipulate our existence that way. And this is where I'm trying to take this conversation to, is that that idea of time travel is so outrageous and so big and so wild, but just because we don't know how to do it right now doesn't mean we won't be able to know how to do it in 10 years or 20 years or 100 years from now, which means there are lots and lots of things out in the universe, in our existence, that just because we can't ponder them doesn't mean they're not real and they're not there. All right, so this is where in the last couple of episodes, I have started to to go on this journey where I'm trying to look and say, and I'm not trying to be religious here, I'm not talking about a particular religion, but our connection to a greater, um, a greater uh, entity that created all of this. This was my conversation a few weeks ago when I talked about the vastness of space and how just because we can't contemplate it doesn't mean there are not real explanations. There are. All of this stuff came from somewhere. It didn't just happen. So even though I don't have a, a doctorate and even though I'm not a, uh, a nuclear physicist, I know in my heart that stuff doesn't just happen all by itself. Things don't, okay, boom, suddenly there's the universe. There it is out of nothing. Absolutely not. That is not, uh, that is not possible. I'll keep my mind open to it. I have to be honest about it because, you know, all right, may, maybe there's some mechanism of things happening for no reason out of nowhere. 
where whatever this is, maybe, maybe, okay, I don't know. But to me, when I look at fact, when I look at when I when I stare down at the ground, when I when I look at the soil of the earth, when I look at the stars twinkling above, it came from somewhere. Now, to pontificate and say that it came from nothing, it, that's one theory. That's a theory that should be explored. I don't find it plausible because something doesn't happen out of nothing. You have to have you have to have things, something to, to make things, right? We have an electrical light bulb, right? That bulb don't come on by itself. You have to flip a switch and release energy that we create somewhere to make that work. The light bulb just doesn't come on. Well, the universe doesn't just happen all by itself out of nothing. It doesn't, right? I can beat that to, a, to, a, to, to death. But I think this is where I've come to understand. That's one theory, though, that it did just come out of nothing. The next theory is that it was created by something. But what? Uh, an intelligence, a godly intelligence, we'll call it that, right? A godly intelligence that was there, that created all of this. Now you got to go back and say, well, where did God come from? Right? Well, where did God, well, God has always been. Think about that. If that's a, if that's a concept, God has always been. Then what is that? See, so we don't think enough, uh, I think, uh, on these, these kind of things. But there are people that do. And they do uncover things. And they do reveal things about our existence and how we got here and what we do. And that's, that's really what's intriguing Lieutenant Joe now. I'm trying to understand my place in the universe. I'm trying to understand what this is all about. Because I got to tell you, I recently had a birthday. I turned 60. And with 60 comes the reality that, hey, there's more road behind you than there is in front of you. And where are you going off to? What happens? You only have, if you're lucky, you get 100 years here and then you're gone. What, what does it even mean to be here? See, I told you this would be different than a political show, right? We talk about some things different uh, than just sit here and, and fighting about, you know, right wing, left wing, uh, liberal, conservative. We have to think about some other things because there are bigger pictures here. There are bigger pictures here as to who we are. Do we have a purpose at all? Do we have a purpose at all? Or are we simply the outcasting of either happenstance, and we are the latest thing, and our development gives us these brains where we can sit and think and talk about things? Or are we divinely inspired that we're put here for a reason? If we're put here for a reason, if there is a God that put us here, okay, and I'm not insulting my religious friends. I'm a religious guy. I have my own opinions on that. I'm just trying to, to flesh out the question. If we are put here by a God, a creator, then there's things we're supposed to do. There's a purpose for, for our existence on this blue little rock floating in the middle of nowhere. What are we supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be killing each other? Are we supposed to be worrying about the nonsense that we worry about? Or are we supposed to do more? And I think there was a time in the world, in our nation, when those kind of concerns were much more involved in our everyday life, right? Wasn't there a time when people went to church all the time? What do we see now? Uh, church, church life is down across all religions. You know, our younger people are not seeing a connection to it. Maybe they're right. Maybe there is nothing out there for you. For those of you who believe that, 
Uh, for those of you who are atheists who say, there's nothing there. Uh, we're, just, we're just lucky to be here. We're, here we are. We should just be nice to each other. Okay. Maybe you're an agnostic that says, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I don't see any proof. And then there's the religious uh, crowd who, who says, yeah, absolutely. By faith, I know. So my coming to this point, I think really is a combination of thinking about things combined with my faith, combined with my desire to look honestly at what I'm seeing and try and interpret it, right? So I'm trying to interpret all of this through intellect, as limited as mine is, and with what I can learn from what other people are thinking and doing, as well as what my experience tells me, what my experience tells me about this world and my connection to it. So I told you we, we were going to talk about something a little different today, and, and it's important, I think, to do this, um, to, to consider these things. And my question, I guess, really, um, that, that moved me along here, I'm trying to put together an article with all of this. I'm trying to, I'm trying to branch out into a, a, an article about something that's a little different than what I normally write about. And this is, if there is time travel, let me ask you, what do you think? Can you travel forward or backwards, or is it absolutely impossible? I think history tells us that just because it's impossible now, um, it might be possible in the future. The big thing everyone talks about uh, in the scientific world that they say could make it possible would be a wormhole. So if you think of a wormhole, it's been explained a million times on on these star shows, because I watch a lot of them, you know, life in the dirt and star shows and all that kind of stuff. If you took a piece of paper and at the top of the paper, you put a dot and at the bottom, you put a dot. And those are two different places separated by huge distances, say Alpha Alpha Centauri, you know, or whatever, where Will Robinson and them were going uh, in another galaxy and our galaxy. Well, the timeline, the distance between those two points is so far and so great that it would take so long to get there, we, we, we can't even imagine it. But if you could fold that paper in half and connect those two dots together somehow, you could travel directly from one to the other very quickly. That is the concept of a wormhole. And how is a wormhole developed? Well, a wormhole is developed um, through the, the processes that Einstein's talking about, bending space-time, curving space-time, going faster than the speed of light would create these wormholes. That's his, his theory. I don't know any better one. Uh, as a non-scientist sitting here, it, it, it kind of makes sense to me because, and here's how I loop these, these things, intellect, uh, faith, and um, experience together, Einstein was right about lots of things that we had no concept about before, but he could think it through. He put some thought into this, and, and maybe he didn't delineate it. He didn't write it all down. He didn't have time in life to come up with how to make this happen. He gave us the concept that if you could go faster than the speed of light, you could warp space-time and therefore create a wormhole, and you could step through it and go from one place to another. You could travel great distances. Well, if you went faster than the speed of light, you could maybe go back through time, through the fabric of time, because it's time and space, right? Space-time. See how they're connected? I find it fascinating, and I'm sorry if I took you on a journey you didn't want to go on to uh, right now today. We're going to get to the politics in a minute where we can yell and scream about all that. But it's thinking about this greater universe, and these kind of things tell me if that can happen, then the question about who we are and what we are doing here 
comes into closer focus. And that is really the bottom line with what I'm trying to do with, with thinking through these things is to understand that. Who are we? Why are we? Where did we come from? And being 60 years old, knowing there's more road behind me than in front of me, where am I going? Where is my family going? Where is this entire world that we, we have going? In the meantime, we have people killing each other. We're fighting over nonsense. So I'm trying to figure it out. I'm glad you're out there listening. I hope we gave you something to think about. And uh, there'll be more in the future as we go. As I work my way through these problems and these thoughts, I'll jump on them with you. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some politics. We'll also talk about a play that I wrote and some controversy about the play because the play involves a lot of the things I'm talking about here. And I'll tell you about it in a minute when we come back for more Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. You've been in that situation. The person next to you is sniffling or worse yet, <coughs> coughing. Flu, cold, and SARS-CoV-2 are everywhere. Would you like an additional layer of protection to reduce these threats with an invisible mask? Sold by hundreds of pharmacists and medical doctors, our American-made povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray, Cofix RX, lasts for hours deactivating viruses and germs that make us sick. Find a retailer near you or buy online at cofixrx.com. America Out Loud listeners use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Along with a healthy immune system, clean air is vital for optimal health. According to the EPA, we spend 90% of our time indoors, where germs are most concentrated. It's essential to clean indoor air. Genesis is the only technology that quickly, safely, and effectively kills pathogens both in the air and on surfaces in seconds, reducing the viral load in any environment. The powerful, well-built Genesis Fogger produces a dry, ultra-fine mist using HOCL, which occurs naturally in our own immune systems. We'll be living with airborne diseases in the future. New viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs are no problem for Genesis. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chasing Justice. I want to close up a couple of loops from the first segment, and I, and I, hope, I hope that wasn't uh, uh, too far out for people, you know, for you sitting out there. Uh, you're more intelligent than me, I'm sure. But when I think about all of these things, where I'm going with this, is trying to understand, like I said, my purpose and my place and put together a big picture, a big panoply in my head so that I can, I can make myself right with this universe, with my God, with everything in it. Uh, it's, it's part of a, uh, I, guess, I don't know, maybe because, because I'm, I turned 60 and I'm starting to see that, hey, uh, you know, the end of the road is up there. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a pessimistic kind of guy. But turning 60 has really uh, something, I, I feel like I'm 18 years old. I still feel like I'm 18 years old, but, you know, I'm stuck in this body now that's 60. And uh, that's kind of a weird perspective. Some of you out there, I'm sure, understand that perspective. Other of you people who are out there who are younger don't really quite get it until all of a sudden there comes a day when you, when you start to realize that. You know, for sometimes it's when you have children, when you have your first child and you start to see that child is a connection to the future. 
that child is going to be in this world when you are not. Um, and you start to ask these questions. You start to think about your purpose and all those kind of things. Maybe that's where it comes from. Some people, there's an age. You know, we used to joke all the time when you turn 30. Oh, my gosh, you know, 30 was the end of the world. Now 30, you know, 30 is nothing. 40 is nothing. 50 is nothing. Now they're telling me, hey, Joe, don't worry about it. 60 is the new 40. I still feel like I'm 18. I'm in pretty good shape. I'm pretty healthy, thank God. Um, I stay active. I stay mentally active. And I'm, I'm trying to enjoy whatever road is left in front of me, whether that's a day or another 30 or 40 years. I have no idea. That's, uh, you, we really can't control any of those kind of things. But it's, it's kind of feeling like an, not an urgency. I don't want to say it's an urgency, but it's starting to feel like all my life experiences are starting to come together and having me ask these questions that I'm asking is because I want some answers before I go. Uh, I may not get the big answers. You know, those you get probably, my religious faith tells me, what I can't get here, I'm going to find out when I go. When I get to the other side, uh, after uh, I pass from this mortal coil, as they say, I will get all the answers and I will I will get an understanding. I believe that. That's my faith. That's where I've come. I don't know where you are in your in your journey, if you're having one or not. But that's the purpose of all these questions. I, I, I can feel my life experience coming together. I don't have that that rush, that craziness of youth anymore. I now have uh, an impassioned movement forward. I'm focused. I, I have some answers and I have a lot of questions and understanding and my faith is, is more filled out, though it's still growing and I'm still learning. But just like my, my intellect is still growing and still learning, I'm not looking at these next 30 years or 40 years as a, a scary thing or a downtime. I'm excited about them. You know, uh, Miss Kathy, you said a long time ago, if you could go back and be young again, or would you rather be the age you are now? My first thought was always, go back and be younger. Go back and start over again. And she would always say, no, I'm happy where I am now because I have life experience. I know how to handle things. I'm happy with who I am. Uh, I would much rather be here than back there. In the fullness of time, I have come to adopt that too. I'm happy here where I am. Uh, you know, I, I completed a lot of bucket list things this year. Do you have bucket list things? Do you have things that you want to do? See, that's this is the focus that I'm feeling now. I'm not I'm not looking at the future pessimistically that oh my God, at some point I'm going to die. Um, I, I'm looking at this saying, I'm moving forward with with a in a, from a greater position of strength to understand my world, to see what's going around. Um, uh, do, do you get that? So, do you have a uh, do you have a bucket list? Let me tell you about my bucket list. One of the things that I had on my bucket list for the, for a very very long time was um, I wanted to get my college degree. Right, I wanted to get my college degree. For those of you who've been listening for a long time, you've heard my my story of where I came from and what happened to my family and this and that and how I got where I am. Well, at a young age, I had to go to work full time when my father passed away when I was fourteen. I had to go to work full time, and that was a responsibility that I accepted. Right? I didn't. I didn't lament the fact that I had to go to work at fourteen, and finish high school, uh, and move on. When a lot of my friends went off to college, you know, I I did whatever I had to do to take care of my mother and my brother. That was my responsibility, and I took it very seriously. And I I did work. I worked very hard. Uh, over the course of time, I became a police officer. I found that career which really helped me to excel and move forward. Well, at the same time, 
once I had the ability to move forward, it was always my goal to do something more. I, I wanted that college education. I just never, my mother couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it. Uh, but when I became an officer, I had enough income now. Uh, and because of the scheduling and this and that, I could do, I, start, I went back to college. And I started taking courses on my own, a couple courses here and there, a couple courses here and there. Uh, I, I tried to figure out a, a college plan. Well, that was 30-something years ago. I started that plan. Uh, and it was something that was important to me. So I guess it was kind of like a hobby. But it was a bucket list. I felt I wanted to do a couple things. I wanted to get my college degree for me because it's something I always wanted. I wanted to continue my education. I wanted it because my family doesn't come, we don't come from money. You know, we're not a money family where there's enough resources for everybody that everybody just gets to go to college and everyone has a great summer and everyone goes to, you know, do whatever. We, we were a working class family. And I knew when I got married, uh, Miss Kathy and I, and we started a family, we started to devote all of our energies to making our child's lives better than ours were, right? Just like our parents did. Tried to make our lives better than theirs, and we took it seriously. So we sent our kids to, to Catholic school, right? That was expensive with money we didn't have. So what did we do? We worked bingo. Anybody out there that sends their kids to Catholic school, you know what that's like. You work bingo. You work all these raffles. You sell cupcakes to your friends. You go crazy for the time the kids are in school. But it gave my kids a better education, right? It gave my kids a better education. Uh, we worked hard. We did things. And in the meantime, in the background, I was taking courses whenever I could. The second goal of me doing that is I wanted to show my children a tangible uh, example of you can do anything you put your mind to. It's all, a lot of us say that. We sit back, hey, you can do anything you want. You, Bobby, you can be whatever you want to be. And then we don't really follow through on that in any way. So one of my thoughts was by, by, by pursuing this college degree, all my kids saw me doing it. They saw me on Saturday mornings, uh, you know, writing papers and, and reading uh, uh, class books and, and, and doing things and being excited when I got my grade back, you know, and doing all that kind of stuff. Throughout their entire lives, uh, they saw me doing this. Uh, and I was hoping that it would, it would be an example to them that this is important. Dad thinks it's important. Uh, and it was, right? My son Joseph is an attorney. Alexander is a accomplished uh, union carpenter. Marisa Joy is graduating college uh, shortly. And Jack Take just started college, right? They're all going to college. So that example of me doing that, I hope, uh, helped them to see that this was important. I thought it was important and I wanted them to see it. And I just got my degree in September of 2021. I got my bachelor's uh, of arts degree. Uh, and I am very, very happy about that. That was a bucket list thing. It, it served multiple purposes. But I'm asking you, do you have bucket list things? You know, there's a movie out there, Bucket List. Who is it? Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. About guys, uh, one guy realizes uh, he's going to die and he wants to do, and they do all these things. What are your bucket list things? What are we waiting for? That, see, that's what 60 has done. It's focused me. I'm not looking down. I'm not afraid of going forward. My faith gives me, gives me belief that there is more to come. Uh, but So that helps me to focus, and I'm running towards the future. So my bucket list was to, um, was to get that college degree for me and for my family, and I accomplished that. 
It took me 30 years of taking classes part-time, 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 coming up with the money to pay for it while I'm paying for my kids to go to college, right? Where I'm trying to live a life, right? So that was a really, a really great event. Another one was I've been writing for, for, for years. I remember when Kathleen and I uh, were first married, um, she worked early in the morning. So she'd go to bed and she'd be in bed by, you know, nine o'clock going to sleep. And I had shift work. So maybe I was on three to 11s on my days. Off. I would sit at the typewriter and I would write at the typewriter. That's right. It was no word processor. It was a typewriter. You had to use white out when you made a mistake or whatever. And I would type and I would type stories, ideas, concepts, uh, you know, creative, creative stories, um, fun stories, the exciting things, places I wanted to go, treasure hunting I wanted to do. I wrote the story. It allowed me to go there. And I, I've always been doing that. Then I started writing, you know, I wanted to be a real writer, you know, not just a guy sitting in his bedroom writing. So I started reaching out when I was a police officer to a local newspaper uh, in Asbury Park. They only had six or 7,000 weekly readers. But I spoke to the editor and I said, I want to write a column about police work, not for cops, but for the citizens, so they understand what police work is really like. What are the, the joys and the struggles of being an officer and serving the public and seeing all the things we see? Well, she loved the idea. She's like, I think it's great. Can you send me a sample? Now I had to actually do it, right? But it was on my bucket list to be a real writer. Well, I wrote, I started writing the column behind the badge. And she published them. And I learned how to write. I wrote an article on police suicide. It was published in the FBI magazine. It went around the world. Uh, I wrote several articles for them. Then I started writing for other magazines. Uh, it, was, it became a bucket list adventure along the way for me. That's something I wanted to do. I had to hammer out the time. But it's something I could do. And I, again, I wanted my kids to see. You can do anything that you want if you put your mind to it. It doesn't mean it's easy. It was hard to find the time to do that, to develop writing skills. Well, I think the... Um, the, the coup de grace, as they say, came when I wrote uh, the book The Interview, which is about a skill set that we all, everybody needs to interview because every interaction with other human beings is an interview. So I wrote this book, The Interview, for law enforcement, describing how to interview people to, uh, for law enforcement to, to get confessions and admissions. And I teach a class on it. And one of the things I said, how can I take that class and turn it into a book? And I reached out and I found an editor who said, you know, I think that's a really good book. Let's work on it. And I got to do it. And it was published professionally. So I had another bucket list thing come along. Boom, here you go. Uh, I actually, and now they want more books from me. So this is very satisfying. And this is not about, you know, kudos to Lieutenant Joe. The lesson here is for my family and for anybody is you can do anything. It doesn't matter your age. You can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. So what is your bucket list? What do you want to do? Life is not over. Every day you wake up is an opportunity to do more and be more and make the world around you better, make your life better, or do something that gives you pleasure and joy. Some people like to garden, right? It's gardening season. It's fantastic. Those are all good things. I'm very passionate about this because I am now focused uh, and hitting some of these bucket list items is really an awesome way to go. I always thought I had some kind of voice, right? I, as, I, as I learned to write and I learned to express myself, I always thought I had some kind of voice, that, that I had something to say. 
You know, I, I was very patriotic and I felt good about my country and I didn't like seeing things that were going on in the country. I didn't like seeing, you know, America attacked. I didn't like those kind of things. And I thought I had a voice. And I always said, boy, I, I would love to have a voice. I listen to talk radio. You know, uh, I'm a young guy and I'm listening to talk radio. I, I Believe me, I love rock and roll. I was a guitar player guy too. But I loved talk radio. And it was awesome to listen to talk radio. I listened to it day and night. I found different people I liked, opinions I learned from people. Uh, it was great. When I had the opportunity, when I met the great Malcolm Out Loud from America Out Loud here, and I met Malcolm and he said to me, I think you have a voice. Would you like to do a show? I was dumbfounded. What am I going to talk about? You know, Miss Kathy, my, my biggest fan and my biggest critic at the same time, she says, what are you going to say? What are people going to care about what you have to say? I said, I don't know, but I think I have a voice. And you know what? I want to give it a try. I want to try this. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe I'll succeed. Maybe people will like it. Maybe they won't. But I'm going to try it, right? And because of that opportunity that Malcolm and America Out Loud gave me, I have this platform to talk to you. Right? I have an outlet for, for my thoughts. When I want to, want to talk about time travel, I can talk to you about it. I can bring it out there. When I want to talk about uh, God, I can talk. When I want to talk about uh, bi politics, I have a platform to make myself heard. Malcolm publishes my articles. Right? So I, I, I made that bucket list. So the lessons here are, again, not hoorah for Lieutenant Joe. Because that's your own personal thing, what, what you, whether you do good or not. The reality is, it, what can you do? What do you want to do? You know, Morgan Freeman didn't start really acting until he was 58 years old, and he's one of our greatest actors. If you want to act, go to the local playhouse and act. Try it. Write something down. Try and figure it out. Do, do what's in your heart. Right? Make the time for it. It makes you a better person. It helps you for those around you. So I, I've, I've kind of went off on this tangent here, and I said we we're going to talk about some politics, but there's two other things I want to cover here in this particular episode of Chasing Justice. I told you I wrote a play, and this play is called The Judgment. All right? Now, it's, it's, it's interesting because I guess as I started getting into my 50s, this is when I started questioning all these things and my existence and this and that. And my faith would tell me that at some point you're going to be judged. You know, when you, when you die, the first thing you do is you go before the throne of our Lord God and you are going to be judged on your life. Did you do what you were supposed to do? And this, see how this all connects together? If we have a bigger purpose, what is it? And are we doing the right thing? Are we here just to, you know, pick our toenails and have a good time? And then we die and we just rot away like uh, everything else and return to dust? Or is there something more? Well, is there, if there's something more, then we should do some of those things to prepare yourselves, right? Because you're going to have this judgment. So the idea, first of all, I love, I love the theater. I love the drama of a live performance of real actors, um, drama right in front of me because I love movies and TV I like all that stuff I like that kind of entertainment I love music but the live play watching a live play in front of you when it when a, a scene develops and there's drama and the actors can 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 bring you to hysterical laughter or anger or they can have you crying in the seats over something that is so very powerful and it is such a unique way for human beings to express themselves that I love as much as I loved my, my creative writing for stories, 
uh, and my manuals and police writing and articles, I said, I, I, want, I want that emotion. I want to write that emotion. I want to move people, right? So this idea of the judgment is really, I guess it's a personal questioning of what happens when you die and you're judged. Now, I don't take a particular religious point of view, right? I'm not doing it from the Catholic perspective. I'm not doing it from the Hindu perspective. I'm not doing it from the Jewish perspective. I'm not doing it from the Muslim perspective. And it's not the Protestant perspective. It is one man's uh, vision of what would happen when they die and they go in front of the Lord God and they have to be judged, right? So my character... The main character is a man in his um, mid to late 50s. He's married. He has a, a beautiful young daughter. Sound familiar, right? Part of it was me, right? To write, you should write what you know about. And I was on this journey. So part of this was my journey, right? To, to express it. Um, and as I started talking to people about the idea of the play, the concept, I found that lots of people had questions uh, as they started to, you know, move along in life and say, what actually happens? What's going to happen to me? Where am I going to go? You know, all that kind of stuff. So all of this that I'm talking about in these couple of episodes is, is really a culmination of all of this kind of thought. And the play, The Judgment, really came out of that. So the, the basic story of The Judgment is this man, John Taggarty, that's the name I gave him, um, he was a Catholic and he was a devout kind of guy. You know, went to church on Sunday with his family, went all the holidays. Uh, not a crazy uh, religious person, but he went to church every week. You know, he, he was part of his life, part of his existence since he was a kid. And he had this beautiful daughter uh, who, you know, was fine. And, and then they had uh, a second child, uh, a little boy, um, little uh, Sean, right? And little Sean was a sweet, wonderful kid. And he was, you know, you know, the apple of dad's eye. And they play baseball together and this and that. And when Sean turned six years old, uh, he was diagnosed with a terrible cancer, right? This happens to people. Uh, and it all foreshadows my, my conversation, basically, with God about why do bad things happen to good people? Isn't that a question we all ask? Why do little children get cancer? Why does something bad happen to the nicest people in the world? And you see some, some bad people seem to skate right on through. Isn't that a question we all have? So that's kind of what this play is about. So what happens is, unfortunately, um, this little boy dies from this cancer, and this turns the character, John, off from church. doesn't turn him against church, turns him off from church. His wife, on the other hand, finds herself deeper in her religion, and her faith saves her from the grief of losing this child. Well, because John won't go to anything religious, the first scene opens up with them having a family conversation about going to a christening, and he's not going. He's not going to give another minute of his time to religion because, hey, look what happened, and, uh, and nobody, nobody followed through. You know, God, God wasn't there. God took my little boy, and therefore I'm upset, and that's really the idea. And then he has to go into work. He gets called into work on an emergency situation, and he has a car accident on the way, and he's killed. And he doesn't know that he's dead, but he wakes up, all of a sudden he's in this place, and he's standing before God. He doesn't realize at first that it's God, but it's, it's a different thing. All of a sudden he's there, he's somewhere, and he starts to realize slow and steady that he is in front of God. And then he starts to ask the questions that many of us might have. 
You know, why do you let little children get cancer? Why did you just take me from my family? I was on my way to work and this accident happened and you took me from my, how is that just? How is that right? I had the character express a lot of the things that we find ourselves upset with, with religion. Um, and John has this conversation with God. Now, in the meantime, there's other things happening because this is kind of like a way station. You're being judged and you got people coming through and he doesn't interact with a lot of people, but there are people, there are other people there going through their journey of judgment uh, at the same time. And long and short of it is, uh, in his conversation with God, his own revelations bring him to understanding that there is a bigger purpose for everything and that God is not your enemy. That God's way is not necessarily man's way. Suffering uh, has a purpose, even though if we don't like it. There's a purpose for suffering in this life. And this is all religious that I've been told my whole life, you know, and, and I tried to put these things in here. And at the end, um, John has a revelation and he, he's, he asks for forgiveness and God forgives him and, uh, and he gets to move on. And then there's a couple of very, what I consider to be very moving and magical moments at the end of the play. Uh, that ended on a really, really high note. So it, it's, it's ready to be done. Um, I have a couple of theater groups that are looking at it. Uh, we're doing a table read um, pretty soon. Uh, but it was my way of expressing something I wanted to say. So what do you want to say? What do you want to do? Right? What do you want to do in life that you've been holding back from? Do it. Do it. What's the worst that can happen? It don't come out right. It's not your thing. I don't know. So it's a bucket list thing to, to write this play. But what's interesting is that when you start dealing with religion, you start to see people's opinions come out. And like I said, this is a non-denominational um, play. It's, it's just a story, one man's story of his interaction with his God, right? I let a very good friend of mine who used to be a pastor read it, uh, a Protestant pastor, and he called up and he was so upset with me. You don't understand. You know, how, you're not supposed to speak for God. I said, did you ever hear the movie, Oh God, with George Burns? I mean, lots of people throughout time have, have spoken uh, what they believe to be uh, positions of God. And I don't pretend to be that I am God. And this is what God would honestly say. This is what I would think he would say. This is what I would hope God would say in answer to these questions. And he had that problem. Then he also had, the, he said, you should take the God character out of it. And have uh, have your John character just uh, just question himself throughout the. I said, Why, don't you get that this is really this is just a story, this is a way to express things uh, that I'm trying to express, and, and I, I wanted to write something that's entertaining, and maybe can give somebody some thought to think about their own relationship with God, right? You get it? So we ended after a bunch of conversations where he finally got that. Um, but he thought he was trying to, you know, help my soul that I was on this lost, uh, lost vision, and it's not. It's 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 an expression, one man's express expression of how um, how their relationship with God might be. But it was a bucket list thing. I want to do it, and I did it. Now I'm looking at writing other plays. Right. So there's there's, there's so much going on here. And and I really uh, I'm I'm thrilled that I get to be here with you. You know, I want to talk about some politics today, Hunter Biden and his computer and uh, how the press is now um, coming around the corner on the whole thing that, oh, now it's been revealed that it's uh, it really is Hunter Biden's uh, laptop and it's got everything on there and uh, this stuff has been validated and the emails are real. But Joe Biden had nothing to do with anything. Um, Hunter might have done a lot of bad stuff, but it had nothing to connect Joe Biden, which, of course, is corruption. 
because the emails, if they're real, they paint a very clear picture of what happened and who did what. Uh, and I wanted to talk about that. I want to get into that. But you know what? There's, there's another episode coming right up uh, here on Chasing Justice where we'll get into that deeper. I wanted to talk today. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's metaphysical. I don't know what you even call it. It's journey questions. And we're all on a journey, right? And isn't that really what chasing justice is? It, what, you know, justice is a huge comparison. There's a difference between revenge and justice, I heard that the other day, and I really liked that. Uh, watching something, and they said somebody wanted to, you know, I want justice in this. I want to tear these people apart, whatever it was. Said, well, that's revenge. It's not justice. And in the bigger picture of life, chasing justice, and the reason I chose that name for this program is because justice has so many different variations in our life. It means a lot of things. Uh, it's about us and it's about the world around us. And that's really what this program today was all about. You know, I wanted to express myself. Uh, I wanted to, to talk about these things. I want to give you some ideas to think about. And I would love if you would give me ideas uh, what you think about it. You know, you could reach out to me. I would love to hear from everybody. But it's, it's been a great experience to be able to, to think these things through and to put some stuff on. So, Ted, I know that you're listening. My father-in-law, Ted, is out there, uh, a very wise man who has a lot of life experience. And Ted and I talk about these things uh, over cocktails uh, when we have dinner. And I just want to say, uh, Ted, thank you for being out there and for being such a supporter of Chasing Justice. And for all of you who listen, I really, really appreciate your time. You have a lot of choices. You could listen in a lot of places. But you come here to America Out Loud and you take your time to listen to Lieutenant Joe here on Chasing Justice. And I appreciate that, uh, each and every person. We're all on a journey. And we're all in this together, right? So until we meet again, think about some of the things I, uh, I talked about today and figure out what's your bucket list. Where are you going? What is your connection to the universe? It's a great thought process. We will see you again. Until then, remember, be a part of the solution, not a 